Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. or a good evening to you however you may be listening and wherever you may be listening this is the man on the post podcast and again one of our wonderful daily world cup or almost daily we're not going to be doing it on uh, non-match days but more or less every day of the world cup we're going to bring you every single bit of man on the post that we can throw at you so i hope you can handle it and because it's a sunday we've got the gang back together so it gives me great pleasure to introduce the man on the post sunday crew i'm matthew baldwin as always joined by my right and left hand men first off we got colin colin how are you tonight yeah i'm very well thank you yeah it's good uh... have, you, have you come down from the england result yet are you still calm or are you still it's coming home mode? D- d- no to be honest it was always calm um but um i mean i predicted some pretty negative things for england um in the build up to this podcast but uh um I, i've just got to find a rather tasty hat to probably eat um to to sort of uh, make up for the words i said because yeah it's been pretty impressive um but uh yeah yeah i'm, I'm well yeah it's a very happy evening for me indeed and we'll touch on that but before i do it's time to introduce my right hand man coming all the way from the netherlands it's uh, the foreign Englander, so to speak. It's James Rowe. James, a good evening to you as well. Uh, good evening, fellas. How are you both? Good, good. Like, good to have the three of us back together. I've been thrown together with having, you know, no offence to Scott and Adam, I think I was doing it. But it just feels right to do on a Sunday night having you guys. It just feels right. Now that we've got the loving out of the way, there's only one place to start. And that is England's demolition, I believe is the correct phrase to use, of... You know, I'd say a pretty poor Panama side. We saw that in their, what was it, 3-0 defeat to Belgium in the first game. There's not really much, you know, we could have said in regards to Panama. It was only going to really be how many can England put past them. But I'll throw the question out there. I'll start with you, Colin. Was this a case of good slash great England? Was it purely down to how poor Panama were, especially when you consider how badly or how tough England were or how tough England were to break down Tunisia on Monday night you know it was a combination just what were your thoughts on the game okay well right from the off guys I mean I believe that all teams in the World Cup are here by right they're they're not there's no easy meet here as far as I'm concerned so I'm not buying the argument that Panama weren't any good they might have had a bad game, but they're obviously a good enough side to qualify. And we all know there's a lot of other good teams that haven't qualified. You know, we think of Holland, um, Italy, um, Scotland. Sorry, that was a joke. Um, but, yeah. um, you know, they, they've got here by right, okay? Now, for England to put six past them is 
absolute testament to England. And I don't think the old, oh, well, Panama weren't that great. I, I don't think that's a fair excuse at all. Um, England did what they had to do. And, and they only did, well, they didn't just do it. Um, they absolutely did it 200%. They absolutely battered Panama. I was going to say, to an extent, yes, England did batter them, but Panama did gift England a couple of... I mean, the two penalties, for instance, were, you know, you can't... It's just blatantly obvious, you know, they gave them those two goals. Two more from set, you know, two more from set pieces. Uh, one was a very heavy deflection. You know, as, as you said, it was a very good performance by England, but Panama did gift England, you know, at least half of the goals today. I, I think that's a get-out-of-jail-free card. I, I don't believe that at all. Um, I think Panama is exactly the sort of team that England have struggled against in the past. Um, they remind me quite a bit of Costa Rica. And, you know, yeah, probably people did expect England to beat them. But I don't think anybody with a brain in their head would have said that they'd have put six past them. Um yeah, Panama didn't help themselves, but that's not England's fault. Um, England did what they had to do, and they did it very well. And I think the key things to come out of the England camp, as far as I'm concerned, is no matter what anybody says about Tunisia and Panama, um, they deserve to be there. There's no malice there or anything like that. Um England currently have the top goal scorer in the World Cup. Um, he scored five in two games. I don't care who that's up against. That that will still count in the record books. That's just my no idea, thoughts. Yeah, yeah, I have no idea if FIFA have a dubious goals panel committee similar to the Premier League, but are they going to be looking at that Harry Kane one again? Just to see if you know, you know if Ruben, whether or not Ruben Loftus Cheek is going to get he a claim it. on it, or do you reckon it stands as it is? He meant it. Yeah, it'll stand. Yeah. Okay, I'll come over to you, James. Uh, now you have been, it's fair to say, not Gareth Southgate's biggest fan. You know, in in the approach to this, you know, you say that you know international management is a, it's an it's an old man's game. Gareth Southgate's too young, yeah, um, inexperienced in the job, all that sort of thing. Is have these two performances, and particularly today, changed your mind on Gareth Southgate? Or, again, do you still think it's a case of England, you know, Colin will, Colin will dispute this, but do you think it is a case of England, you know, got lucky against, you know, quote-unquote, easy opposition? I think you can only beat what's put in front of you. And uh, I was quite vocal against Southgate, and I stand uh, behind my words. I mean, he's, he has um, surprised me a little bit, especially in the manner upon which... Uh, England, England have won both their games. Obviously, I always respect respect Colin's opinion, and the uh, example Colin just gave about uh, there's no easy meet. There may well not be easy meet, but there are easier qualifying regions than others. I think off the top of my head, Panama only won three of their qualifying uh, group games, drawing the other one, and accumulating enough points to go to a World Cup and a negative goal difference to boot. If you compare that to the uh, notoriously tough South American World Cup qualifiers where you're going to places like Bolivia and Colombia and Chile away from home to pick up points to qualify for a World Cup, I think that's evidently more difficult. But um, I think Southgate has done um, has done well, but tougher tests lie ahead. 
I mean, I can't, I do not buy this rubbish of his, if it's, is it better to finish first or second and avoiding this one and avoiding that one? People that come out with these are pundits that have obviously played the game, but they obviously must be aware that this is tournament football. And in every major tournament from the dawn of time until now, there is always, always surprises which nobody expected in terms of the latter stages of tournaments. So tougher t- uh, tests lie ahead for England. I just hope they don't get too carried away. They've done ever so well to to put away Tunisia and uh, and Panama, especially on uh, the goal difference today. Very, very impressive. But tougher tests lie ahead, and they must they mustn't get complacent or ignorant towards the potential last 16 round against Senegal or Colombia, in my opinion. Okay, okay, and uh, this is something I sort of joked about on Twitter and in the WhatsApp group as well, talking about it. And it's the way that England have scored their goals in this tournament. You know, go back to Tunisia where they were two two set pieces, and I think four of the goals there. You know, you had two penalties and uh, John Stones for a corner and John Stones from a you know worked free kick. Does it concern? And when you take away the Harry Kane heavy deflection, does it concern you? And I'll pass it over to you, Colin, first. Does it concern you that England, you know, most of their goals have come from open play and they're struggling to break teams down in open play? Or do you think that, you know, it should be something that England should build their strength around? I think England have done their homework, Matt. I think they they know that um, they're not the strongest team. I think they've obviously worked tirelessly on set pieces. Um that's something that England have been very poor at. And when it comes to tougher opposition, then, you know, chances are going to be limited. And if you're a team that can make the most of your set pieces, whether it be corners, free kicks, whatever, um, then that's a very good sign. Um, And I think England have concentrated on what they're good at. I think there's pace there. I think there's youth there. Um, Harry Kane is there. Um, And they know that if they're going to go long into this competition, they're going to have to prosper from set pieces. And, And I, you know, likewise to James, I was not Gareth Southgate's biggest fan, but whatever the guys have done, it seems to be working. Okay, and James, I'll, I'll sort of throw the same question to you. Are you are you happy with the fact that England, um, if my maths is right, I'm sure it isn't, four out of six, that's 75% of their goals have come from set pieces. Does that concern you at all? Um, I think that's, I think their goals have come down to the opposition, the way the opposition, opposition have set up and the uh, naivety in some cases, especially today from Panama from set pieces. And um, and the start that Tunisia had, I think when they face a more mature team who know how to set up uh, defensively uh, to defend a set piece, I think they might find themselves uh, having to change their ideas. But it's all uh, it's all um, important information they need to gather to fall back on because they are, I think they are going to have passages of play in the last 16 where they're going to have to keep the ball on the floor. And uh, they're going to have to play the, play themselves out of trouble a little bit. So uh, it's great that they're um, being so strong from set pieces, but um, they're going to have to mix it up if they uh, harbour ambitions to reach the last eight, in my opinion. Indeed. And to, you 
you blinked it perfectly there. To get to the last eight, they have to go through the round of 16. And in the round of 16, they'll be playing someone from Group H. Now, as things stand, that, well, as things stand, because it can only really be uh, one of three teams. It's either going to be Japan, Senegal, or Colombia. Uh, as a result of Poland, uh, got knocked out today after their 3-0 defeat to a very impressive Colombian side. Uh, earlier in the day, Japan and Senegal drew 2-2. Now, Colin, this is where you, you kind of requested Paul come and you'll just take a step back. James, did you watch the games today? I did. I watched, uh, I watched, I watched all the games today. I thought, um, I thought Senegal had something about them. A shame for them. They couldn't keep, uh, they couldn't keep their, uh, their lead, but, um, I think uh, looking at the prospective opponents of England in the last 16, I can't stress enough, Matt, how ignorance and complacency could be the biggest killer for England. Because um, if you if you look at Japan, Senegal and Colombia, all three have got something about them. All three can score goals. Um, specifically, Senegal and Colombia are extremely physical and they will all w- want to give they're all in that last 16 game. And I worry a little bit that people just think, oh, you know, if we finish first or second, then we'll get this one in the quarterfinal. You've got to play the last 16 first. Yeah, and absolutely. You... And and the way, the way you say, you know, every team has got something about them. There's one thing that England will not, you know, England will not be able to outrun Japan because they right. are a team along with South Korea, though the, the Asian sides never stop running. They've got good engines in them, mainly because they've got Honda in one of the teams. But anyway, they never mm-hmm. stop running. Never, thank you. Colin got it. Colin got it. <laughs> um, you'll never. So England won't be able to outrun Japan. You know, there's diff, there's differing um, uh, opposition. Colombia, as as you said, like to play out, like to play attractive football. That's something that could could unhinge England. And as has been talked about, I mean, Senegal on the counter attack. That is a very good counter attacking team. When you've got Mame Juf and Sadio Mane and this Says guy that's been talked up but brilliantly in this World Cup. Now, Colin, this is why I bring you back in and I'll sort of lean on James because he's seen he's seen the game today. And the question does then become, if England, when England get through, because they are now through, who ideally do you want England to face? Because it's, you know, this really does hinge on, because there's, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, should England finish first or second, as James alluded to, where and there and how does that uh, work their path through the tournament. James, I'll start with you first. If you're an England fan, who do you ideally want to face? Um, I think most of them want to face Japan because I don't think, I think that most England fans wouldn't associate a, a killer cutting edge that Japan uh, have in comparison to Radamel Falcao or Sadio Mane. So I think the majority of England fans would prefer to play Japan and um, but for me, for me, it's going to be about uh, how they go about who they play and and respecting the opponent and knowing that they're in the game. I I just said that I alluded to earlier on in the pod. It really got my goat the way people are trying to plan a route a route through. When especially people that have played in major tournaments as well, they must realise it, it never works out like that. I mean, in a in an ideal world, it would, but it doesn't. And um, you, we're going to find nations in the latter stages of this tournament, that which, which nobody expected, but they're going to be there. 
The same way in 2014, you had the Netherlands in the in the um, in the semi-final. The same way in 2010, you had Uruguay in the semi-final. And I could go on and on and on. So I, I just think that um, I thought that, that it was poor from a lot, of, a lot of pundits to just assume that the last 16 or one and a three will be all right, and then uh, and then that will be that, and then do this and do that. But it, it never works like that. But I think. Um, I think the majority of England fans would, uh, if they could handpick, I think they'd choose Japan. You're, you're absolutely right, James. And, I, and I'll just mention one thing here. is that people were licking their lips when England drew Iceland. Yeah. Ah, you know, I, I made the word easy meat. OK, yeah, the guys can clap loud, but, you know, what a good draw for England. We all know how that went. Yeah, that's. I was gonna, literally going to. You, I was going to ask if you could just keep on talking because I'll throw the same question to you, Colin. Looking at the likes of Senegal, Japan, and Colombia, who do you want England to face? Be it, you know, be it coming first or second, because again, that's the argument. You know, the easiest side of the tournament. Who Doesn't do you want? You, 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 you're in. You're in the centre. You don't care. I don't which care. Is per, per, perfectly fine mindset. Because I, I think you get whatever the roll of the dice is. Yeah, I mean, first of all. England have got through the group stage. I'm happy about that. So what comes your way is just how the competition works. Um, I, I think what's in, most important for any team, not just England, is if you're on a, a, a run of winning form, try and keep it going. And so I would suggest to anybody that the best thing that England can do is go out there and attack Belgium. In the last game, just keep that running form, the winning form going. There's no, and what you get is what you get. I mean, at the end of the day, it's been such a a mishmash of of performances by different teams. Teams you think should do well, not doing too well. Teams you think, well, that, that you know, they're surprising us. You don't know really who's the hard teams and who's the easy teams in this one. So. I don't think there's any need for any concern on that. Put the blinkers on, keep looking forward, just beat everything that's put in front of you and just see how it pans out. Perfect. James, do you want, do you want to respond to that? Uh, no, I think I think Kylie makes a very, very good point. And I think, you know, momentum is key. And I know for a fact, having um, having watched a few interviews with uh, the Belgium uh, international setup here in the Netherlands, um, that Belgium plan to change their team around for the England game. They've already admitted that. So it's an opportunity for England to uh, get a positive result and even top the group. And if you, if you compare that to four years ago when we lost to Italy, lost to Uruguay and, um, and drew with Costa Rica, to think four years on that we may well top a... Uh, a World Cup uh, group is, is something to be uh, pleased about. Indeed. Right. I think that just about wraps up the uh, games The games for today, which means it's time for our debate, which I love to do. And it's something that we talked about again. I mentioned the WhatsApp group available to everyone, I'm sure. Um, it's And you mentioned it earlier, Colin, the way that... Um, the way the teams qualify and, you know, having the so-called, not to be disrespectful, the lesser teams in the World Cup. Do you just want to sort of want to just want to expand on that point a bit? Yeah, well, I think our discussion came up about, um, we were throwing some ideas around about the, the expansion potentially of the, of the World Cup um, and including more teams. Um, and that's where the discussion really started. I, 
I am a firm believer that this World Cup's been great so far. Um, I do like VAR and its inclusion. I think it's worked well. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, now, to your question originally, Matt, is that, you know, should there be a setup where, you know, the inverted commas, big teams um, get a gimme into the World Cup finals? I, I'd throw it back to you a little bit, Matt, because I'd say, well, you know, previously we wouldn't have put Wales in that bracket. But Wales outperformed England in the previous tournament and they did fantastically well, but you wouldn't really put Wales in the bracket of getting a gimme into the World Cup finals. So I think the way the setup works right now is a good way of getting the teams into the finals who deserve it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, everyone talks about how you know Panama had to get through an easy qualifying group. Let's not forget that they only really got through because the Americans ballsed up. You know, I wouldn't exactly say there's a uh, less uh, European team, but let's for the uh, for the sake for the sake of argument, let's put Iceland in. Good team, but for the sake, but they're not a big name team like Italy or Holland. The the only reason Italy and Holland didn't get through was because they messed up their own qualifying. It's not Iceland's fault that Italy and Holland aren't here. You know, everyone had their own their own chances. You know, I'm pretty sure if in the future Bolivia make it, it will only be because one of the made you no know, major South American countries like a Brazil, an Argentina, a Colombia would have messed up their qualifying thing. So so I think it's a bit harsh on the nations, you know, the likes of Panama and Tunisia and Peru and Saudi Arabia to say, you know, what are they doing here? They don't add anything. When really, in an ideal world, they wouldn't have been here sort of naturally. But I, in an, but I also do understand the sense of this is the World Cup. You want the best 32 teams competing. So I, I kind of get We've got both them, arguments. We've got them, Matt, though, surely. Who gives it Italy a divine right, or England, for that example, you know, because we've failed to qualify for tournaments. Who gives Italy a divine right to qualify, but Iran doesn't? Iran qualified for the last World Cup, and they've qualified for this World Cup. And do you know what? They're half decent, right? So anybody who suggests that Italy should get a place above Iran, I think is, you know, I, I completely don't agree with them. I was going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here, just sort of putting out, yes, putting I, out I know, the argument. I know, I know. But, but to an extent, I do absolutely, I, you know, I get both sides. You know, I can absolutely, you know, Saudi Arabia, with no disrespect to Saudi Arabia, you're not in a grand global scheme saying that Saudi Arabia are better than Italy and Holland and Wales and Chile and, you know, all the teams that didn't make well, it. Well, they are. Well, only only by only by default. It's like having... Leicester wasn't as like, good as Manchester United or Liverpool or Spurs or Chelsea, but they won the Premier League. That's just the way but, football works. 
Okay, but if I put it to you, if I put it to you this way, if so, and I'll bring James in in a second. If I put it to you this way, say we're trying to decide who the best team in England is, and we divide and we divide the nation up into all, all the teams in London, all the teams in the Midlands, all the teams in the Northwest, and all the teams in the Northeast. Say now, and then we all have like a World Cup, have a final tournament, and we end up with a final four of Manchester United, Leicester. Crystal Palace and Newcastle. No one's saying that, you know, they they did their job right, but no one's going to say, right, just because they got to that stage, that makes Crystal Palace better than, you know, Liverpool or Man City or, you know, Aston Villa or anyone who didn't make it through. Because it's because of the way it's broken down into regions. That's the way, like, the Asian uh, qualifiers. I can't think of many Asian teams that are better than, you know, in, in a head-to-head scenario, better than Italy, Italy, Holland, Wales, you know, even the USA to an extent. Well, I, I'd put it to you this way, is that the World Cup is a cup competition and I know you're being devil's advocate. Um, I would put it to you, if your thinking is that way, that there's certain clubs that are better than others, there's no point having the FA Cup anymore or the League Cup. We might as well just let Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea and Tottenham play it. Well, to an extent, we already do that. It's called the Premier League. Well, <laughs> yes, but no, well, I'm talking it. about the FA Cup. Yeah, you know, yeah. you, every, yeah. Everybody has a chance to qualify for it and everybody has a chance to qualify for the Premier League. That's called the yeah. Championship, League One, League Two. So if you're good enough, you will get to where you, all being well, want to be. And likewise, in a cup competition... If you're the best one on the day, you'll win. I, I don't see any reason why anybody should get like a, a golden Willy Wonka ticket just to, to get through to the final. Yeah, absolutely. I just realised James, we you know through no through no fault his own, has been pretty quiet on this issue. James, sort of, where do you stand on the whole? You, you know, you mentioned it earlier. Where do you stand on the whole weaker teams? You know, d- diluting the World Cup, so to speak. I was just patiently waiting my turn while Colin and you made some uh, very good points. I think the qualifying regions have become so blurred. We have Kazakhstan taking part in the European um, UEFA qualifiers. Uh, We have Australia taking part in the Asian qualifiers. If you look, if you compare this to the World Cup 94 qualifiers, for example, the only one which has remained the same in a traditional sense is South America. The rest have always have been moved moved around a little bit. In Europe, in particular, they give they give the most uh, World Cup tickets to the European um, continent. But at the European continent now, you've got uh, Gibraltar playing in that competition. As of the next uh, round of uh, UEFA qualifiers, you've got Kosovo playing in that competition. And if you look, um, I just think it's become so bloated for. In, to, to help the commercialism and to help the interest of international football, I think FIFA would do well to take a, to take a, um, a leaf out of the Premier League's book. If you look at the global appeal of the Premier League, where they have now, they have games kicking off at different times in the Premier League in Sao Paulo and in Cape Town and major cities all over the world and people were interested in it. I think if, if they did the same for FIFA, where you had... Uh, like a cross-country qualifying campaign where you had England travelling to Santiago to play Chile, where you had the Netherlands playing uh, the United States in Washington. 
I think if they mixed that up and done away with the killer federations and regions, which is which gives certain such some countries have got such a hold on that region that they qualify for four, five, six tournaments in a row. And um, I think if they did a cross uh, a cross world qualifying campaign over two years that was spread out, where you wouldn't get a, a massive fatigue um, build up if everything was done properly, I think you get a lot more people being open to that. And I think it would um, I think it would crank up the interest in your in international football just that little bit more. Yeah, and I'd I'd sort of go further on that point. You know, you talk you say get rid of the regions. I also say get rid of the rankings because when because when it comes to and seedings, when it comes to major tournaments, you know, FIFA absolutely screwed it up this year by having you know your by uh, divvying up the uh, pots in terms of your uh, ranking positions. Usually, whereas usually it was based on your uh, your region, your qualifying region, so you could get the best team in Asia playing the best team in South America with the best team in Europe against the best team in Africa just purely by whereas now you've got you can more or less a few you know, shocks with the likes of Argentina aside you can already work out who's going through I'd say get rid of rankings and rankings and seedings give me a World Cup group that has Brazil uh, Germany Spain and you know Argentina in it give me that as a World Cup group that's um, just a personal view of mine all I'd say, Matt, is that and we all know FIFA's squeaky clean, don't we? Um, we for legal reasons, yes, FIFA's squeaky yeah, clean. The new, the new yeah. regime is, is squeaky clean of course anyway, it the is. new regime. Of course it is, yeah. So so there'll be certain teams that would sort of float to the top um, just because they're so good. Um, let's just say that. Um <sighs> Is this world? Are you, are you enjoying this World Cup, Matt? Absolutely, I am. But at the same time, I, I can also understand those who are saying that the likes of Saudi Arabia and you know Panama are diluting it. I'm enjoying it, but I can understand where the arguments are coming from. But those same arguments would have been made in the past about teams like Wales. Yeah, Wales would have turned up, and everybody would have had a little giggle and said, "Look at these clowns." turning up right they're cannon fodder and then guess what you know they outperform everybody and and are amazing on the spectacular stage so i don't understand you can't have it both ways um i think there's got to be albeit I'm, I'm 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 in complete agreement maybe the rankings and the way people get in isn't quite right but I think you've got to detach that from the World Cup. Is it a good World Cup? Are the right teams there? Is it entertaining? Yes. So, what, what, what? you know, there's nothing to fix. So why are you throwing more, you know, coal onto the fire to make it even hotter? It doesn't need to be as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, James, I'll throw the last point over to you and then we've sort of got to wrap it up because our uh, editor... And boss and overlord Ross has said we've got to keep this style for an hour, so we've got to keep it quick. It's a fascinating debate to have for another time, maybe when the next World Cup qualifies start. But we got to, unfortunately, we've got to wrap it up quickly. James, uh, last point over to you. Yeah, no, I think um, I think that FIFA are slowly destroying the World Cup themselves by having 48 teams as of 2026. When this tournament started in 1930, you had 13 back then. 
and then it went from 13 to 16 and then 24 and then and now 32 and shortly 48 and I'm convinced it will go to 64 eventually as well but it's but when this tournament was 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 in its in its infancy and was the idea was to have the best playing the best and generations improving it used to be if you didn't qualify for a world cup uh, you weren't good enough. You had to make sure that your own house was in order to get a good generation to come back to play again, to play in a World Cup. And that seems to have gone by the by now. It's just, you know, it's as if everybody's got to be involved. And but you want a you want a good competitive World Cup. And this World Cup is proving to be a, a very good one, one of the best in uh, in recent years. And uh, it is what it is. But I think to keep the qualifying bloated and to keep the major tournament also bloated was is going to blow up in their faces as time goes on i think indeed as time goes on and as time wraps up for us that has been uh it for this you know last you know penultimate game of the group this is the last day where we have three different kickoff times it's going to be a sad thing now we're down to two kickoff times and we can only watch two games at a time it's sad but that's the way the World Cup goes. But this has been the Man on the Post World Cup special podcast. My thanks, as always, goes to James. James? More than welcome, Matt. My thanks, as always, goes to Colin. Yeah, thanks very much, Matt. And great to have uh, the three of us together again. It's, uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. Indeed. And I've been Matt Borden. You know, you can always uh, continue the debate on the, you know, expansion of the World Cup and diluted World Cup if you so want it. We're on Twitter at Man on the Post. Colin is on Twitter and he is... At Cass707. And James is on Twitter and he is. At James Rowe NL. And I'm on Twitter as well. I'm at Matt Reese 63 M A T T I H Y S 63. That's been it. Thank you for joining us. And please always remember to have your man on the post. Uh-huh.